This is Catholic Leadership for the World. Stay with us and allow us to share with you a vision handed to us by the Second Vatican Council to help advance the mission of the Church. It all boils down to one idea, engaging society as civic leaders. My name is Erin Manin, and I am only, I'm the only one with you today, but as I said before, um, my co-host Christopher Pereva is usually in the room with me as well. Um, before we start, if you could please take the time now to ping five people, five Catholic professionals that you know and follow in Clubhouse. Uh, when you do this, their friends will be notified and attracted to join the room. So um, if you all want to take some time now to do that, that would be great. Um, welcome to those of you who are just joining in. We have some regulars and some new faces today, so thank you all for being here. Um, as you can see, we have this umbrella topic of Catholic leadership for civil society that we talk about every week, um, but we always have a subtopic. and. Today's subtopic is Catholic Social Doctrine as Your Manual for Leadership in Civil Society. That is a mouthful and it's also a lot to unpack, so <laughs> I'm glad we have an hour to do so because uh, Catholic Social Doctrine is one of those topics that people either know about or they don't, and there's, there's not a whole lot in between. Um, when Christopher and I were planning our topics for some of these discussions, um, this one was one that makes me nervous because I truthfully had to do a lot of reading and, and research. I, I know what Catholic social doctrine is, but um, it's a little bit uh, difficult to understand if you've never really read into it or ex been exposed to it or, or even don't even know the definition. So we're going to define what it is and we're going to talk about it as um, a manual for being Catholic leaders in civil society. If you've been in this as a, uh, listening in this room for a while, um, you know that we talk a lot about Vatican II. Um, the Second Vatican Council, the, and all of the documents that came from that council because they are a direct call to the laity um, to be Catholic leaders for civil society. And, you know, we, we've, we quote that, we bring it up a lot, but um, this week we're going to talk about uh, some other and more <laughs> uh, documents uh, that a couple of them are from Vatican II, but most of them are from... Uh, all other parts of our church history. So it's going to be great. Um, we're going to talk about a whole lot of things. And as always, I would invite any of you to uh, join me on the stage if you have something to share or ask or bring up um, about this topic. Uh, we love to have great conversation um, with as many people who want to join us as possible. So um, I'm going to start by talking about, I, some of you are part of it, some of you are not. So if you're not a part of it, um, Christopher and I, probably about a couple, two, three months ago, we uh, started a Telegram group chat for this room. Um, you can find the link to join in either mine or Christopher's profiles. Um, just click on my profile. Well, He's not here today, so click on my profile and you can find the link to that. Um, but yeah, we have a Telegram group. Telegram is just a group chat app um, that we've chosen to use for this. And every week for the past like three to four weeks, um, he started a new tradition of having an image of the week that has to do with what we're talking about. We're always thinking of new ways to improve um, how we uh, talk about these topics and we want to bring in art, we want to bring in other parts of our Catholic faith, so why not um, do that? So we share an image of the week every week and um, I was in charge of doing so this week and I picked a very old image of the 12 apostles. It's, um, if you're in the Telegram group right now or if you saw it this morning when I posted it, um, it's it's ancient looking. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I couldn't find the information about it. On, of, I'm going to be honest. It was came up in one of my Google searches, and it's just a beautiful image. Um, but it's very old, and it's it's a painting of the twelve apostles. And 
it's very relevant to what we're talking about today because Jesus is the one who handed everything over to the apostles when he left earth. And they, I mean, for lack of a better phrase, they became some of the ultimate Catholic leaders in civil society. Um, and he was, the, he handed everything directly to them. So, Although we don't walk amidst the living, breathing human Christ as they did, um, we, we too have been handed all of the same truths that, that they were, except we've just been handed them throughout history, and we have access to a lot of them today. So, we can be the apostles of our times. So, that's why I chose that image, and it just has a lot to do with um, what we're talking about today. So if you're not part of the Telegram group, please become a part of it. We would love to have you. Um, that's not all we do in there. We, we continue the conversation um, every week after this live clubhouse room. Um, we post whatever articles or links or anything that we talked about during the conversation. Um, people have posted like, hey, here's the book I was talking about if you want to buy it, things like that. So I really highly recommend you join that that group because it's a great way to carry on the conversation and to get all of the resources and things that we talk about um, during these discussions. Because I understand it's it's, as a listener, it's really hard to like, remember everything that was talked about, but maybe you wanted to find that link or find that document or buy that book or whatever. So Telegram, our group chat there is a great way to do that. And we're posting our image of the week. So another incentive for you to join so you understand what we're talking about <laughs> um, every week when we bring that up. So um, as we start to dive into this topic of Catholic social teaching or Catholic social doctrine, um, I'll use those interchangeably throughout the uh, course of this chat. Um, please feel free, like I said, to join me anytime on stage if you have a question or something to share. So um, let's just start by defining what the heck this even is. Um, so like I said, Catholic social teaching is, um, along with the Second Vatican Council documents, we believe it's it's truly the bread and butter of Catholic leadership for civil society. Um, many Catholics don't realize how blessed we are to have a guide on matters of human activity. That's what this is. Um, and there's just such beauty in the resources that the Catholic Church has given its members in the world. And we need to take advantage of that. <laughs> um the Catholic Church is not outdated and unaware, like many people today believe, but she's actually immersed in our culture and has answers based in truth for much of what the secular world experiences. But so often it's easy to just get caught up in what the, the biggest voices in our culture and society um, are saying about certain things, and it, we just believe that because that's just what we hear and what's in our face all the time. But what if we instead first look to the church, which truly has our best interests and the common good at heart, rather than looking to the world for help, guidance, and answers as leaders in civil society? So that's kind of like the foundation of, of what we're discussing today and what um, the role that Catholic social teaching can have in our lives. So, like I said, before we go any further, um, let's define what Catholic social teaching is. So, it's the central element of our faith founded on the truth of what God has revealed to us about himself. Um, and there's a compendium of the social doctrine of the church, so this quote is from that. Um, so, Catholic social teaching seeks to proclaim the gospel and make it present in the complex complex network of social relations. So, Catholic social doctrine is the documents and writings based on the Bible and the traditions of the church in which Catholic social teaching is found. It is twofold. So, again, the, this is a quote from the Compendium of the Social Doctrine of the Church. It means to infuse into the human heart the power of meaning and freedom found in the gospel 
And it offers an incredible guide on how to conduct ourselves in a moral way in all matters of society so as to promote the common good of all. So I know that was a lot. That's why we're going to unpack it. (laughs) But let's talk about this notion of the common good before we move forward. Um, So obviously we, we have a decent idea of what our our world or our country thinks of um the common good and it's a little bit different (laughs) than what the catholic church uh believes so the common good which is as defined by the catechism of the catholic church is the sum total of social conditions which allow people, either as groups or as individuals, to reach their fulfillment more fully and more easily. So, and when we're talking about this, you know, we we understand that the human person is is the person that is alive from the moment of conception to natural death. That's as Catholics, that's that's when a human person's life is. And so, of course, like I said, we know our world has distorted some of these ideas of of common good and and what a human person really is or is not. But that is is the definition that we, as Catholics, um, subscribe to and understand and function under as what the common good is. So, just to clarify that as well. Um, So, I know that... (laughs) That's already a lot. Um, If anyone, like I said, has any questions, please feel free to come up and ask. So, um, in talking about this notion of Catholic social doctrine as a manual for us as Catholic leaders in civil society, um, what does that even mean? And and why is this this so important for us? Um, Why is it a central element of our faith? Why is it something that Christopher and I have believed that is as important as the Vatican II documents for us as Catholic leaders. So, um, now that we have defined what the heck it is that we're talking about, (laughs) um, I wanted to share a little bit about what, um, what this looks like when we're actually understanding how to live this out in our day-to-day lives. So, um, there are eight principles of the church's social doctrine, and um, I won't go into all of them, just for, maybe later I will, for timing's sake, but um, there are two specifically that we uh, wanted to focus on today. And that is the principle of subsidiarity and the principle of solidarity. So, the principle of subsidiarity is um, to be put into practice. There's a corresponding in order for it to be put into practice. There's a corresponding need for respect and effective promotion of the human person and the family. So, as we're you know, we talk about how how can we actually practically be leaders and be um, these people in civil society. Subsidiarity, subsidiarity is one of those ways because we understand that there is a need for this respect and promotion of human beings as the truth of who they are, as well as the family. So, in our world, we understand that these concepts have been distorted, which I mentioned before. But this is like the first and foremost way that we can instill and infuse the gospel into our society. Just on these these scientific facts of what a human person really is, first and foremost, we all understand that the pro-life movement is a huge part of who we are as Um, Catholics and who we are as people of faith and who we are as people who understand um, what the truth that Jesus Christ handed down to us is about human beings themselves. So that's first and foremost. And then, of course, the family unit. We understand the truth of what marriage is. It's between one man and one woman. And we can support and promote these one man and one woman married families with children in our society as well. Of course, 
we have to talk about this notion of, well, we, we can't just exclude or discriminate against or um, trying to think of the other word, point out the wrongs of, of the people who don't live in these ways. And of course, that's true. We always have to approach everything with charity. But um, understanding that subsidiarity, this, this notion of, of how we live this out truly is, is respecting, of course, all human persons, but promoting specifically the truth of the, these human persons and the truth of the family as God created it to be. So, <laughs> that's one. I'm going to talk about solidarity in a minute, I think. Um, I want to go back to that. But um, as I was discussing that, it brought to mind um, this quote from uh, Gaudium et Spes. So, this is a Vatican II document that we have talked about before. Um, so, it talks about social teaching of the church as... Uh, Excuse me, I'm trying to find it. Oh, um, not simply as a matter of reaching out to man in society, man as the recipient of the pro- proclamation of the gospel, but of enriching and permeating society itself with the gospel. So, you can see the difference. It's, it's not a matter of just like reaching out to, to people in society and making sure that they receive some semblance or some form of the proclamation of the gospel, but rather it's enriching and permeating society itself with the gospel. Um, so if you, if we can understand the difference between these, that's kind of where subsidiarity comes in as well. It's not, we're just preaching or, or sharing the gospel and hoping that people will listen or understand or engage in that, but it's rather going at it from the inside of society itself and permeating society with these gospel truths. So, anyways, Chris, you have joined the stage. Thank you so much. I'm going to hand it over to you and go ahead. Yeah, thank you, Aaron. Thanks for kicking things off today. Um, So, I'm not a a huge expert on Catholic social doctrine. I have the book, uh, the, commendi- the compendium, and um, I just got it recently, but uh, I haven't, to be honest, opened it much yet. But uh, through TLI, uh, Tepeyac Leadership Initiative, we discuss quite a bit about Catholic social doctrine and how this idea of permeating, um, you know, the doctrine and, and the way of life and what we do or who we are as Catholics and sharing our faith. Um, we, we talk extensively about uh, how we do that through board service, how we do that out in the secular world. And, you know, we do it with the right charity. And um, what I what I find uh, really interesting about Catholic social doctrine is I think most Catholics and most people in society are going to look at it as we're just kind of old fashioned in many respects. And we are not really modern with the times and it's not progressive enough, right? It's, it's kind of this conservative pullback from things that, you know, we believe are that the secular world thinks that is advancing our culture and our world. And so it's a tough, it's very difficult to try to permeate uh, up front because we as Catholics, many Catholics have kind of fallen into that same rhythm. You know, and, and examples of that is there. There's a a quote unquote Catholic group that is you know pro choice and trying to you know use that as a platform, right? Um, there are Catholic groups that are um, you know it kind of integrated with the LGBTQ community, right? And you know trying to uh, bring that in as an acceptable like church teaching, right? Um, and not staying with the truth. So we, we see this fragmented everywhere, even within our own faith, and it's getting, it's becoming even more difficult, right? So that's where this, this topic is very important because we as Catholics, if we're really following our faith, the catechism, right? What, what the teachings are about, we can, we can start to educate more on what true uh, Catholic social doctrine is about. And, and it's about that charity. It's about that expression of love as God intended and that truth as God intended uh, for the world and for us to be able to go out in the world and help make decisions and form the world accordingly, right? Now, we know that 
not everybody's going to agree. We know that not everybody is Catholic or even Christian for that matter. And so there's kind of the battle uh, that, that we have to, you know, fight as we're, as we're moving along and, and we have to bridge that gap. And how we bridge that gap, I think, comes down to a lot of just that charity and, and how we are expressing or living our lives. I think that it's a lot easier to be grounded in, in the social truths and, and doctrine, if you will, if we are living our lives according to that. And then it becomes, a, a, we become that living, breathing example when we are serving on a board or we are uh, serving in leadership roles or capacities, because it's a, it's a combination of, of, um, of events that you are performing with your coworkers or with uh, colleagues that shows or demonstrates your, your faith. And so um, this is not something that I, I think a program, like in terms of um, um, if we say like TLI is a program, but it's a, it's a formation program, right? Um, I think that social doc, Catholic social doctrine is one of those things where it's not like a, an end all where there's this, there's a, um, what am I trying to say? There's a uh, bigger, I guess I'm just going to scratch that. That thought did not come out right. So um, forgive me on that, please. Well, where, where I'm trying to just lead this into is that it's it's a combination of of steps that we have to take toward it. And and we've had many conversations and discussions about how in our lives, you know, practicing prayer, going to mass, living out our faith in these in this way can help us come closer to uh, demonstrating that social doctrine and then start to understand how do we um, develop it and thrive and thrive within organizations, right? And so I think about just uh, the some of the things that I'm trying to get involved in uh, with um, the city of Phoenix here in Arizona, and uh, it's it's not like it's you know super super fun. I mean, I'm I joined this uh, this village planning committee, which is part of the city, and and we hear rezoning cases. We're the first people to hear those cases, um, but like it's just you know people building you know, infrastructure, right? Well, you know, that that's, you might wonder like, okay, well, where does a, a Catholic individual fit in with something like that? And, and truth be told, like, I, I don't know just yet, but the, the point is, is that going, being a part of it and, and being grounded in my faith, I hope that there's something there that I can contribute as part of that faith. Now, it might not be direct where it's like, well, this is a Catholic principle, but it might be one of those things that just comes out as, well, you know what, we, we need to think about um, what the overall residents are going to want or experience and how does that fit in with, you know, as a, as a society where, where we need to lead the direction of a community, right. Or, or where the direction of community should be going. And, and that is attractive and grounded in, in our truth and faith. So I'm Chris and I'm done speaking. Thank you so much, Chris. I really appreciate you sharing all that. Um, there was so much uh, great, so many great things that you said, and I can't wait to summarize them at the end for everyone. But um, I, I really like how, kind of how you began this notion of um, people often look at us as uh, us Catholics as old fashioned or not progressive enough. And I was sharing some similar sentiments um, earlier when I was talking, and um, I, yeah, that that's kind of where everything else. Uh, flows from um, on society's end when when they think about people of faith in general, even not even just Catholics sometimes, but um, how we can still, uh, despite despite what others may think, how we can still infuse ourselves into society and and you you talked about developing and thriving within organizations and how can we form the world and our, our communities um so thank you for sharing all of that such powerful stuff and um of course that's that it comes it comes from this, this these truths of catholic social teaching so thank you so much um we've had some other people join us on stage so claire i will hand it over to you next Good morning. Um, so I'm still kind of gathering my thoughts on this. Um, maybe pop back to me, but I'm. So, I was, Aaron. I was so excited to see that you guys are doing Catholic social doctrine, and like, I know Catholic social teaching falls under that, which is where basically what I'm studying for my. Ma I've been studying for my master's. So, come back to me. I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Thanks so much. Yeah, we'll definitely come back to you. Uh, Paul, would you like to share something? I actually, I actually have more questions for Chris um, with regard to the, the work that you're kind of doing. Uh, uh, could you mind like maybe telling us a little bit about some of the 
interesting cases uh, regarding zoning that you face because we're, uh, we're at least we're um, conscious of it a little bit because it seems to be that there's a couple of very large firms that are buying up real estate across the U.S. and making it difficult for the ownership of a home, uh, the possibility of home ownership to be spread at a at a good um, well at a, at a decent price to say the least. Uh, so yeah, I'm curious to hear what what kind of cases you're you come up um, in your in your work. Yeah, thanks, Paul. Um, so full disclosure, I am a mortgage lender, so housing is kind of my forte. And I will try to spare everybody from talking about just housing market things in general. Um, as far as rezoning cases, I am brand new to the Village Planning Committee, but my experiences so far in attending some of these rezoning issues um, has has been to kind of understand what are these dynamics. And the way that, the to kind of give you a, an idea here, the city of Phoenix has a, a three-step process for a rezoning case. Uh, there's the Village Planning Committees, which I think the city has nine of them within the city. Part of its overall infrastructure plan of of design and development with a master plan for the future um, in in developing uh, and modernizing the city of Phoenix. The Rio Vista Village Planning Committee that I'm a part of um, serves my local neighborhood, and there's a lot of state land in the area that um, will be sold off here probably in the near future because of the way Arizona works. Now, that state land, uh, it's still zoned for certain requirements. Some of it's zoned for commercial. some Some of it is zoned for residential. Some of it's zoned for certain types of commercial and residential, like multifamily or single family housing. And then there's also flood there's also floodplains and flood paths, uh, paths within our area. And when you live in the desert, we talk about the hundred year floods. They actually happen more often than not um, within a few, within usually five to 10 years. So the, um, the, one of the cases that I attended before I was a part of the committee uh, regarded a housing, uh, a landowner, a private landowner who owned about 170 acres and he wanted to rezone part of a flood path uh, for, for single family housing um, and build basically narrow the flood path itself and build up the land a little bit so that he could put about another 30 homes on that on that land. It was a very contentious issue uh, a couple of years ago because it was narrowing the flood path of an area we've had two major floods in already, and it could potentially jeopardize homes on the other side of the river um, area uh, to require flood insurance and uh, and and. Um, be in that that floodplain because it's narrowing it. And these were some pretty major floods that we had in 2012 and 2014. So um, the other kind of issue with it is they were going to put a lift station in there for for waste. uh, And then when it came to water, um, the water itself was going was was kind of questionable about how they were going to get the the main line there and what it was going to do to the local aquifer here in the community. Um, and then there's the whole traffic issue. So we heard the I heard this case, and what I learned from that is um, there are two things at play. Number one, the private landowners' rights in the state of Arizona, uh, which the state favors private landowners. And then number two, um, it's the the infrastructure plans and needs of the city itself and of the state. And as we know now, we have a housing issue, which is that we just don't have enough housing. Uh, and so the city of Phoenix is very much in favor of building um, new homes or having new housing in general for residents because our valley is growing substantially, especially after COVID. So uh, where I figure that I can try to help is one, understanding what the needs of the community are and trying to bridge that into these sessions because the Rio Vista is the first place where these rezoning cases are heard. And so when this case, specific case was heard, um, the Rio Vista committee actually uh, recommended to deny the rezoning request for a lot of reasons that the community brought up. It goes to a second um, uh, place, which is to the actual city commission board for the rezoning hearing where they approved it. And then it finally goes to the city council where they make the final vote and decision on it. So 
um, where again, I just want I want to be there to try to educate uh, the community on what is happening and what is needed um, from a community standpoint. And then I also want to be there to bridge the gap from the community standpoint of saying, "Hey, this is what the community's concerns are. How are you going to leverage this, and what what are the impact fees going to look like that can be collected so that we can improve the infrastructure that is already here? Because we know that growth is going to happen, and we need to welcome we need to kind of welcome the growth, but we need to do it in a way that is sustainable and also conducive to what the community is already facing traffic um, is becoming an issue we have overcrowded schools over here uh, the, the the lift station wasn't really appealing because it's north of me not too far um, and then being that we have this this river behind us that's dry to be frank um, but when we have major monsoons creates a problem, right? What does that mean then for the rest of the residents in the area? Are we now going to be creating a, an environmental issue? So that's kind of one of the issues. The other one that we're going to be hearing more of this year is um, the environmental um, plan, the clean energy plans that the city has by 2050. And so that's going to impact the, the village planning committees on how they make decisions in these rezoning hearings. So, um, I could probably keep going, but for the sake of time, I know that there's other people that want to speak, but that's just kind of an idea of, of some of the things that are um, that are developing within that committee. And uh, it's a lot of infrastructure stuff uh, just to kind of be aware of and to try to, you know, be that voice for the community um, in that respect. So I'm Chris and I'm done speaking. Sounds great. Um, I imagine then you, you must be, or maybe you must, but uh, have you had a chance to take a look at Laudato Si and how it now given these real issues that you're talking about um, a, a fairly I'd say a, like a, a faithful reading of Laudato Si can actually inform things for the common good of the city yeah I'm, I'm, I'm uh, I've been introduced to that through TLI um, it's actually one of the documents I need to go back over again um, and, and I'm glad you reminded me and brought that up but yes that's uh that's something that um, will be very helpful, I think. Yeah, awesome. God bless you and uh, wish you luck. Thank you. Thank you so much, Paul, for asking that question. Thank you, Chris, for sharing what you do um, and, and how you're influencing and making an impact in your respective position and field. So thank you both. Um, Andres, would you like... Yeah, thank you, Aaron. And sorry if you were calling on me earlier. For some reason, my signal seemed to drop, but glad I'm back with you all. Good morning, everyone. My name is Andres Martin. And yeah, I think um, some of the things, well, actually what Chris and Paul were just talking about is the uh, the care for God's creation, right? Ensuring that things um, are maintained in a way so that way it, it, um, it, it, it helps maintain a certain environment. And it also um, is good for obviously the community as Chris was um was explaining in, in what the river, the impacts of the river and how it could divert water and all that stuff. So I thought that was um, great and, and related to what we're discussing. But, you know, what I wanted to share, um, Chris had brought it up earlier and Aaron, you were talking about it um, with regard to Catholic social doctrine and teaching is um, really the, the going kind of going back to the common good and specifically the, uh, the definition, because I think right now in the culture, as we're seeing, um, the common good, the, the true definition, it's being, it's being thwarted, it's being misconstrued and misinterpreted by the culture. And I think that's an issue because if you go back to the definition and what it says about the fulfillment of the person, um, what does that mean? What, what is the true fulfillment of, of man and woman? And again, the culture is is teaching something that that's totally opposed to this, um, and that's one of the things that I really believe that we as as Catholics and as leaders we have to get back to, and we can do that in various ways. Obviously, by the, by the life that we live, um, the family that that we we bring into the world, um, the good that we do, the, the good that we show of the of the, the sanctity of marriage, just all, all these different things that really show what the fulfillment of a person is, and and. This can happen in, in various ways, like I said, but another way is just through simple discourse and discussion and really helping people to understand what a person is and what a person is made for. And um, Archbishop Fulton Sheen, he's if if some of you haven't heard of him, he's incredible. Um, back in the um, the mid uh, 20th century and a little bit past that, um, he just was a powerhouse and um, a public figure. He was on national television and he's, his teachings were just so rich in wisdom and truth. 
and, and all of that good stuff. And um, he said, um, one, one of the examples that um, he presents is, well, what, what is a train made for? Is a train made for is something that, that would be counter to what, it, what its actually intended use is? And he said, no, a train is made for being on a track where it's, it's running most free, where it's fulfilling its, its purpose, which is to be moving forward. Now, if that train was removed from that track, it wouldn't be able to go anywhere, right? It, it would just it would stay put. Now we have to apply that that same line of thinking he says to the human person and what the human person is made for and what their ultimate fulfillment is, which we all know here that it's it's to to love, to serve God, and to ultimately um, be with Him when we reach our eternal destiny, which, which that heaven is our eternal destiny. So going back to what um, man is created for and, and what that fulfillment is. That that's what we have to ground ourselves in, and that's what we have to um, help teach the culture and help them to realize that we're not created for abuse. We're not created for living lives of um, idolatry, of of sin, of um, of the things that really bind and shackle us. We're, we're created for more. We're created for goodness, and that's really what I think is needed in this culture. This culture that obviously we're we're battling against. Um, these spiritual entities, the devil, the world of flesh and the devil, but we're also battling against these ideologies. It is an ideological battle, and it's something that if we want to really um, change and, and help shape, we have to do so in a manner that's, as Chris referred to um, here and even in the past conversations um, with, with charity, we have to approach these things with charity. So um, that's just one thing I wanted to share. But the other thing is... Um, with regard to the uh, the family, the family is an essential part of society, as you know that it, it's the uh, the vital cell of society, as as our church teaches. And I think that's something again that we have to go back to, and we have to enter into these conversations and be witnesses to people to show that a man, a woman, and children are what's needed to perpetuate society, and that's what brings a goodness to society. And the, the role of the father, in particular. Um, is so essential to that. Obviously, the, the mother is, is is needed just as well, you know. And and um, Saint Pope John Paul the Great, he has he wrote the, um, um, the feminine genius for a reason because there, there's so much beauty and and so much value in the woman. But again, going back to the culture and um, radical feminism, which is opposed to authentic masculinity, we have to go back um, and understand that God created both men and women for a purpose, and in that purpose. Um, a man has a certain role as does women, but man's role again is being thwarted by society. And I think this goes back to social teaching where man as, as a part of, of the family has to understand what his role is in society and in the family. And again, it, it's to be that authentic masculine leader who, who leads, who protects, who serves, who provides for his family. And that as we build up our domestic churches that's what's going to help um, as well to shape culture and cha change society. Because as we know, um, no-fault divorce has been just a, a wreck on marriages and on families and children. And it's just, it's left um, trails of um, despair. But the way that we change that is, again, with, with Catholic social teaching um, to inform ourselves, to equip ourselves with, with the necessary um, knowledge and tools to help us live a society, to, to live in a society where we're living freely, as um, Archbishop Fulton Sheen had said, where we're that train, we're, we're being guided by these guide rails, but we're being guided with God being those guide rails. So that way we can ultimately reach um, our, our, our fulfillment, which, which is heaven with him, and we can bring others with us on those train cars. So um, thank you, Aaron. I appreciate it. Everyone have a good rest of your day. Thank you so much, Andres. Wow, you shared so many beautiful things. And again, I can't wait to <laughs> summarize them at the end as per my usual summary. But um, the one thing that I you said a lot of wonderful things, but the one thing that really stood out to me, as I'm sure it did for many here, is that that quote or that story from um, Archbishop Fulton Sheen about the what a train is made for. What an amazing analogy for us as Catholics. Um, and so countercultural, if you think about the way our society thinks and works, um, oftentimes is 
you can be whoever you want to be. You can do whatever you want to do. You can just do whatever and there's no consequences. And and true freedom is being on that track um, to to have that that motion that notion of moving forward and fulfilling um, our purposes and being free because that's the way we were made to um, as God intended. So I, I just love that quote and that um, analogy. So thank you for sharing that as well as everything else that you shared. Um, I'm just going to reset the room real quick and then Claire, I'll, I'll let you speak. Um, we have about 20 minutes left. This room is always one hour. So, um, for those of you who have joined us midway through, um, we are discussing Catholic social doctrine as a manual for, um, leadership in civil society. So we've we've kind of defined what exactly this Catholic social doctrine is, um, discussed some of the documents that are a part of it, as well as started breaking down some of the um, principles of, of Catholic social doctrine. We specifically, specifically talked about um, subsidiarity and solidarity, and uh, many people on the stage have shared their own examples in their own lives of how they are living out some of these uh, truths and teachings from Catholic social doctrine, um, as well as conversing and asking questions, which is also great. So, um, we, like I said, we have a little less than 20 minutes left, and um, Claire has been patiently waiting, so I will hand over the mic to you now, Claire. Thank you, Erin. Um, hi, I'm Claire. I, um, I am a theology teacher for high school kiddos, so I taught a class on Catholic ethics a couple years ago, which is basically all Catholic social teaching. But um, a couple of thoughts that have been circling my brain, um, I think... I think most people don't know about, most Catholics don't know about the social doctrine of the church, and they may have heard of it before, but maybe they don't know what exactly it is, so I highly recommend Compendium of the Social Doctrine of the Church as I'm sitting here with it. It's a great resource to look through. And I'm glad you guys were talking about um, the common good because I was going to tie back uh, solidarity and subsidiarity to the common good. I think um, the common good is one of uh, the tenets of social teaching that um, a lot of others flow from. Well, the first being life and dignity of the human person, and we can't um, fully allow, or we can't um, go to the other parts of social doctrine without acknowledging like life and dignity of the human person first and foremost. But I, I see society now, and it it's a little scary because I think a lot of um, the mindset is very individualistic and not community or um, like a cohesive, like it's kind of like um, everyone's out for their best interest and interest, which, you know, the common good, it's, it's like the human person cannot find fulfillment in himself. That is apart from the fact that he exists with others and for others. So we know that God calls us to love our neighbors as ourselves, um, love him first but um, love our neighbors as ourselves and I think it's important to um, sorry I'm a lot of different thoughts uh, circling around but to really try and live out those teachings to the best of our abilities and being an example for others um, and talking about what does it mean to think about our fellow neighbor when we're making decisions especially when it comes to the political world I mean how often do we see people in our Congress or that just don't represent what people want or, or voting or acting on their own personal agenda, which I think can be really frustrating. And then I love subsidiarity because the whole idea is like that there are different levels of society, different governing levels. Right. And so um, the best way I describe it to my kids uh, when I was teaching was if there's an issue of bullying in high school, it's not like we would have the, I don't know, the mayor come in and talk about bullying. It's like we'd have the the next level of governing body that is making the rules um, come and try and fix the issue before appealing to a higher level, which um, I think helps with, um, you know, those different relationships. And sorry, I don't know if I'm totally making sense here, but Aaron, I might just hand it back to you, but 
hopefully something good came out of that conversation and was fueled by the Holy Spirit. Oh, sorry. One more thing. Um, Andreas, you were pointing out that, yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on in culture right now where that's attacking the family. And I was having an interesting conversation with my mom the other day about how she's, she was saying, you know, the devil hates family. The devil hates goodness and light and hates the family structure and wants to destroy it via abortion or, um, divorce or, uh, these cultural things that are going on is talking about like spiritual warfare that's going on. I think that's something to be aware of and take to prayer too, with the fact that like these things of solidarity and the common good, they're so needed for our society now in the way that we live our lives as Catholics. And it's just really important to, I don't know, be aware. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Aaron. <laughs> Oh my gosh, no, I don't I did not want to cut you off. Um thank you so much for sharing all of that. I don't think that it was um I think it was very well spoken and the Holy Spirit was definitely sharing through you. So I appreciate um just all of the little like facets of this that you touched on, especially um bringing up the compendium that we all keep talking about, which I will put that in the Telegram group. So everyone can understand what the heck it is that we are referring to. <laughs> um, but also, yeah, just talking about like that notion of community and how important that is, um, as well as um, some of the things that happen in our current society, um, whether it's politics or, or in your, in the school system or whatever it is um, in, in relating to this notion of the common good and, and how it functions or doesn't function Um truthfully or properly so thank you so much claire no that was that was beautiful i'm really glad that you shared with us so thanks so much for uh coming on stage all right sylvester you are next good afternoon Erin and everybody thank you uh thanks for sharing and i the reason why i came here was because Erin, you mentioned a point about um the conventional uh concept of freedom so it it, uh, it triggered me to, to say something. Uh, I agree with you and Audio Andre's uh, sharing. Uh, I hope I can share more on uh, uh, Catholic social teachings on substitutionality, um, but uh, I will see <laughs> if, if I have anything to share. Um, just a little bit about myself. My name is Sylvester. Um, I'm ethnically uh, of Chinese descent. Um, I was born in Hong Kong, immigrated to Canada, Toronto, uh, when I was grade nine. Um, has been a cradle Catholic uh, until until 2000, when I got a internship job at uh, Silicon Valley, and then um, in Silicon Valley, uh, there there was only myself and a couple of my classmates from university. Um, and uh, so I, I didn't have any friends. So in, in short, uh, I go back. I went back to the church and recategorized myself back then. Um, but I'm not formally trained in theology or philosophy. But I did uh, read quite a bit of like Scott Hahn and all those people. Like recently, Ben Brand Preetree and you know Bishop Baring and all those people. So hopefully. Uh, I can uh, absorb some of them and, and share with you. And um, I am I, just a lay person, and I occasionally am a Catholic catechist in my parish. Um, but my vocation is to be uh, a good husband um, every day, a better husband every day than I was yesterday, and be a good Christian. And, um, and hopefully my wish is to for the conversion of China one day. Uh, so uh, on Clubhouse, I have been speaking in uh, Cantonese and occasionally Mandarin, even though my Mandarin was pretty broken. But I try to, you know, uh, uh, propose uh, Catholicism to uh, people who haven't uh, got a chance to understand the authenticity of Catholicism. So in, in short, uh, I would just like to share a little bit of my um, experience or, or knowledge about the freedom that I w that was inspired by Bishop Barron's uh, 
videos before. Um, conventionally, we think of um, freedom is uh, the for in a form of freedom of indifference, as if uh, oh, we can do whatever we want to. That's the true freedom. But in the classical sense, uh, freedom was more or better understood as the freedom for excellence, like whether we have the freedom to do good and to achieve better and to to uh, to make ourselves to meet the quote unquote mark. Um, so I think in Catholicism it's more like that, and and I think. Um, in reality, we should be, human beings should be driving or striving towards that freedom for excellence in, instead of freedom of indifference. An example uh, that I've heard from Bishop Barron, he used uh, playing golf or playing musical instrument as an example, but I like playing basketball. My, my uh, childhood idol was Michael Jordan. So when I was young, I... Um, I practice a lot of basketball shooting, dribbling, you know, jumping, uh, running, you know, doing drills, uh, things like that. Um, but if I were to adopt or to uh, subscribe to the concept of freedom of indifference, I would have, um, I would have been going something like this. Oh. Um, I don't need to practice. I can shoot the ball, shoot the ball, whatever, however way I want to. Uh, it doesn't matter. Um, I don't need to, you know, train my my pace, my jumping ability. I don't need to conform to a certain shooting posture because I can do whatever I want. Um, but you know, in actuality, if you want to do something better, if you want to be a to be better in basketball, you need to practice. You need to correct your form. You need to find the best way to shoot the ball, to pass the ball, and to dribble um, because you want to be better. And um, by extension, you are not giving yourself freedom in the conventional sense because you are bounding yourself to discipline to uh, practice, to, to sh when you're shooting the ball, you have to jump certain way with your knees, with your, your arms, with your wrists and fingers bent this way, and to release the ball at a certain time. You know, um, all these kind of stuff, it's, it takes a lot of hard work and discipline and a lot of pain and suffering in, in the progress of it. And but in the end of at the end of the day, it, it will make you a better basketball player. Um, but in contrast, if you don't practice, you don't uh, put yourself into these training sessions, into disciplining yourself. Yes, you can still do whatever you want, but you will lose the freedom to become better. If you want to shoot the ball into the hoop, you can't do it at will because you just are not trained up to that. Um, so in a sense, you are, or the people who are subscribing to this concept of freedom, you are actually not free. You, you are bound. You are bound by you know, your inability. Um, so in a sense, I hope that you know, people, especially uh, people uh, that do not subscribe to Christianity, that's, that's the message I've been telling them uh, on Clubhouse and uh, in daily lives, that you will actually acquire uh, true freedom when you are subject to this kind of discipline. And put this into perspective of how, you know, not just basketball or playing certain stuff golf or musical instrument or practicing a language, you know, uh, magnifying it to life in general. Um, we want to be a better person uh, and that takes practice, that takes discipline. Uh, otherwise, if you're not subject yourself to these kind of discipline, you lose the ability to become a better person because of our 
um, the word is concupiscence, but you know, some other people don't understand. But we we are too, you know, happy to to just follow our instincts or we will just uh, give ourselves excuses and we do not train our muscles, our mind, our spirits to become better person. And in that sense, we are actually not free. We are bound by, in Christianity uh, terms, we are bound by sin in that way. So um, I really echo with your summary of Andre's word um, that you know, freedom is something like that. Uh, freedom for excellence is what all Christians should strive to achieve. Um, I guess I should stop at this point and um, on you know other social teachings of Catholic. I think uh, I don't have anything to share right now. I apologize for that, but thank you for listening to me. Thank you so much for sharing, Sylvester. Um, you shared so many wonderful things. I love that. Um, analogy of the difference in, in training for basketball that you shared between the freedom of uh, the quote-unquote freedom in indifference versus the actual freedom in, excell in, in excellence or striving for excellence. So thank you so much. Um, Paul, I'm not sure if you wanted to say something, but I got to wrap it up. So if you do, just make it quick. Yeah, no worries. I think that Sylvester's like, um, basketball analogy is really good to understand what's called virtue. Um, which is to say that you desire for excellence, you, you have the freedom to pursue virtue versus being bound by sin to, you know, do vice, which is really helpful. Um, one thing I wanted to just summarize with regard to the common good and the various hierarchies of goods, which is what Claire was alluding to with regard to communities um, and subsidiarity, is that our conformity uh, to the true common goods are things that also um, are participations in the life with the highest good, which is God. Um, so if there was ever any kind of conversations, you know, that, you know, people read when they first, like, you know, come into conversations about either virtue or common good, it's that your, your excellence is your, is the common good of an individual. The, 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 the capacity for a family to perceive the, the true and the virtuous and the good and the flourishing of it is the common good of the family, etc., etc. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to kind of point how virtue and um, through justice, uh, common good are interrelated. Thank you so much for sharing that, Paul. And thank you, everyone. Um, I have taken the most notes of any clubhouse room that Christopher and I have led today of all of them. So um, there was so much shared. We, we're running short on time. I'm still going to do the full summary and our usual conclusion. If you have to go right at 10, that's totally fine, or whatever time zone you all are in. Sorry, it's 10 in Arizona. Um, but if not, uh, you can stay for the remainder of the time. I'm going to be as quick as I can be. So um, at the end, I always do a summary of what was shared just so we can all uh, kind of remember what the heck was even said because after an hour of information, sometimes things can get lost. Uh, so uh, Chris start us, started us off by... Um, talking about and I kind of I repeated it earlier but talking about how people may look at us Catholics as old-fashioned or not progressive enough um, or, or outdated or whatever it is um, but rather you know that it, that is not what we are the, the Catholic Church is with the times as I had shared at the beginning um, we just have a different way of approaching the current times <laughs> um Catholic, he also shared that this, this topic of Catholic social doctrine is really important and critical, and we can educate more people one, the more we understand it, or once we understand it. Um, so true, and I hope that this room today helped, some, helped inform some of you um, on this topic. Uh, Chris, you talked about forming the world accordingly. I love that, that statement. Um, that's exactly what we're called to do as, as Catholics. So thank you for sharing that. Um, you posed the question: How do we develop? Um, how do we develop it and thrive within organizations? I think how do we develop um, communities and thrive within organizations? So the, yeah, this notion and and of course you 
Chris, you shared a wonderful example of, of what you're doing in your own life. But that's really the, the question we have to have in our minds oftentimes is, is how do we develop um, the, the space or the place that we're in currently um, as a Catholic leader and, and also thrive within whatever organization or company, et cetera, that it is. Uh, another good question for us all to reflect on that Chris shared, where can we lead and form society? Paul, you brought up Laudato Si and how it can inform um, much of what we should understand as the common good or, or the truth of common good, um, especially for a particular group or city or state or whatnot. So I encourage everyone to look up Laudato Si. Uh, the common good, Andreas, you shared the comment, the definition of common good is being thwarted by our culture. So very true. Um, we need more discourse and discussion as well. That's what you shared, Andreas. Um, absolutely. And then uh, the Arch Archbishop Fulton Sheen's uh, story or quote about this, what is a train made for? It's made for being on a track to be free, moving forward, and fulfilling its purpose. And that's exactly what we as as Catholic Christians are are doing as, as we follow God and, and the church's teachings. Um, so, such a beautiful analogy. Thank you for sharing that. Um, Andres, you also shared that we are not created for sin. We're created for goodness. So powerful and, and simple. Obviously, we understand and know this, but how often do we forget it in our day-to-day -day lives and the decisions we make? Um, a couple more things that you shared, Andres. Um, we're battling against ideologies. Yes, we are. <laughs> I think we all can uh, understand how those ideologies are affecting each of us in our own lives and our families and friends and greater communities. Um, and then, Andres, you talked about fatherhood and that, that men specifically must understand their crucial role in their family and, and in doing so can truly change the culture. So I love that you shared that, especially when we're talking about the importance of family as God intended it. So thank you. Um, the compendium of the social doctrine of the church was brought up a lot. I will share that link in the Telegram group. So if you're not in our Telegram group, join it so you can read about all the good things we shared today. Claire, you talked about um, we cannot exist alone. We exist with others. Um, so beautiful. Thank you for, for that. We, we talk about the importance of community a lot in this group, excuse me, in this chat room, and um, so grateful that you uh, brought that into this conversation. Um, one of the things we talked about was politicians or people of, in, in leadership of, of some regard um, often work from their own interests, not the best interests of the people. Um, Sylvester, you shared wonderful things to finish us off. I love how you talked about your own experience in wanting to be a better husband and Christian than you were yesterday. What a beautiful goal and, and something that certainly relates to um, living out what we're talking about in this room. Um, and how you share the Catholic faith with people on Clubhouse in all different languages, which is so beautiful. Um, and you're, you're striving to pray for the conversion of, of China. And I, I just love that you, you shared some of these ways that just personally, your, um, uh, what's the word, uh, instilling is not the word, but instilling, <laughs> uh, the, the things that we talked about in your own life. So thank you for sharing that. And then, uh, you finished us off by sharing about the freedom and in excellence instead of the freedom in indifference. And your lovely analogy about training for basketball, how when, when we're operating from, if we were operating from the freedom of indifference, um, we're bound by our inability. Um, so you don't need to conform to the rules of the game. You don't need to train in this certain way. You don't need to do these things. But, I mean, do you really end up becoming a good basketball player because of that? Probably not. But if you're um, training for the freedom in, it, with the freedom and excellence, um, having the freedom to become better. You're playing by and training for the rules of the game. You talked about the certain ways that you can shoot a basket, um, dribble, positioning, things like that. Um, what a great analogy. Um, again, kind of relating to what Andres was sharing with the train analogy earlier. Last but not least, Paul, you finished us off by talking about Really what this is, is, is having the freedom to pursue virtue, and um, you're absolutely right. So thank you all so much. That was a mouthful. Um, next week, we our uh, topic will be 
um, mentors, spiritual directors, and peer groups. How can they be a support for us in our pursuit of Catholic leadership? So join us next week for that. Um, please follow Christopher and I on uh, Clubhouse. We also invite you to keep the conversation going in our Telegram group. You can find the direct link in my or Christopher's profiles. And also don't forget to join the Catholic Professionals Club here on Clubhouse. Um, you can join uh, us live on Clubhouse Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific time. And if you liked what you heard today, listen to it again or share it through our weekly podcast. You can find it in all platforms. Just look for Catholic Leadership for Civil Society. Remember, this is an invitation to step into the leadership role that God has for you in civil society. Why? Because if not now, when? If not us, who? Thank you so much, everyone. Have a wonderful rest of your day and God bless.